Hello and welcome to another Fikava Vet Chat. Tonight I'm speaking to a veterinarian from Iceland who decided that Iceland is nice but Italy is better. So welcome and hello to Thief Traustadottir. Yes, thank Hi. you, thank you. So nice to be here and having this chat. So um, that looks already fantastic. So that's a view from your, your balcony, yeah? Yeah, this is my garden, I, um, my background. I live in a small village in uh, Italy, just outside Rome. Mm. And uh, I have a little house with a, a really, um, it's, it's quite small, the garden, but it's super nice. So mm. I have this wonderful view of the valley out from my uh, so, so, so tell me, Siv, um, as a veterinary, an Icelandic veterinary surgeon, I mean, Icelanders are not uh, many, <laughs> there are not a lot of Icelanders around, actually. I think you are 250, 300,000, something like that. Yeah, I think we we reached three hundred fifty thousand now. Yeah. So, so first of all, as far as I know, there's no vet school in Iceland. So, how? how tell me your story. So, how how did it? How did you become a vet? Where did you start? Yeah. Yeah. So, I always wanted to be a vet uh, ever since I was a, a a child. Like my my childhood friends remember, like, oh, Sif is the one who always wanted talked about being a vet. Um, but yeah, you're right. We don't have a vet school in Iceland. So I studied uh, biology first mm. and uh, kind of like flirted with uh, different ideas like, oh, we have we have like a medical school. But then I thought, no, I think I like the animals more. <laughs> so mm. I decided to go for it. And uh, I so I went to Denmark to study. Mm. I also, uh, as part of like my last year, uh, in vet school, I did an exchange program with uh, UC Davis in California. Mm. It was really, really nice. Very good experience to go there and uh, and see how they do things a little bit differently and uh, very um, advanced mm -hmm. things that they were doing as well. So after university, did you did you practice for a while in Iceland? Yeah, yeah, I practiced in Iceland. Um, I graduated. Uh, I got, um, I was really fortunate to get a job in a small animal practice. That was my intention uh, right away after I graduated. Mm. So I started working in a small clinic in, uh, in the center of Reykjavik. Mm. And then after a few years, uh, I, I uh, grouped together with two other uh, ladies and we started a clinic and built a house. So we built a hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Somewhere, somewhere I read or heard that, I'm not sure if, the, if that is still true, that uh, no dog was allowed in Reykjavik. Uh, yeah. Of echinococcus. It's like, a, it's like the, our dark past. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so there was a period where there were no dogs allowed in, in the European capital, yeah? Yeah, there was a, a period um, in the 80s, I think like the 70s and the 80s. I'm not sure exactly how long it lasted, but it was like after people started moving to the, the city from the countryside because um, Iceland was a rural uh, country before. Mm. And uh, it was a little bit primitive, I guess. 
Mm. So people would just bring their their dogs, like farm dogs, to the city, and they would be like running all over. And then um, there were some infections. Uh, what's it called? The oh, I forget the. I always for, sometimes forget the English I, words I, I, for. I heard that it was because of echinococcosis. Yes, exactly, echinococcosis, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was like a, a panic and they decided to ban uh, dogs in the city. Mm -hmm. And it lasted until the, the late 80s, um, until like people just <laughs> rebelled against these rules. Yeah. And uh, one of the most instrument, instrumental men uh, with um, helping us to get rid of this stupid <laughs> regulations yeah. was a minister in the. Uh, he was a minister in the in the government, mm. and he just openly had a dog, an Icelandic sheepdog, and he just told everyone that this dog is part of my family, and I will never give her up. So you can send the police to my house and they will have to arrest me because I'm not going, my dog is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, and his party was also in charge of the, the city, like the mayor was in the same party as this minister. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they eventually caved in mm -hmm. on the pressure because people were sympathetic. And they, we had some really um, not so nice incidents where police went to people's houses to confiscate the dogs and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh and that really was something that i think that was like after that people were like no we we can't do this it's not human. we had uh, here in the uk one of the driving sort of uh, forces or or, or or people to change the quarantine rules which we initially had and initially we had six months quarantine for mm -hmm. for dogs to come into the uk mm -hmm. was uh, the former governor of hong kong chris Patton. Mm -hmm. he had a couple of terriers as far as i remember and uh, he 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 was also because he had a very influential figure yeah. in the british tory party and and mm -hmm. he said well it's uh, that's crazy, and my dogs say they, they are not carrying any disease, and I'm very happy to blood test or so, but, but jailing them for six months is not fair. Yeah. This was not the, the, the main reason why it was changed, but it mm -hmm. was, in any case, a very strong advocate to stop something like this. Nevertheless... Yes, I, I think also the EU was instrumental in the UK to change these rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. The, they said, oh, we have to have the same rules in all the EU countries. Mm. Um, and you have to, like, if you don't want to follow the rules, you have to give, like, scientific um, arguments for keeping yeah. it this way. Yeah. And they just couldn't do that. Yeah. But... Today we don't want to talk about the pet travel scheme. We want to we want to talk about Iceland and then Italy. Yeah. So, okay, uh, working for a while in Iceland, and how did it come about with Italy? Tell me that story. Yeah, so I had always um, had a thing, I guess, for Italy. Like uh, Italy was always like this dream place, and I never went there uh, when I was a kid. Like I think it was probably because of the food. I was like a real lover of like pasta and all Italian foods. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I also went to the UK to study English when I was 15. And my mother said, like, when I came back from that trip, because there were so many Italian students mm. on the trip, she was like, no, you, you were like uh, a lot worse with the Italian thing after you came back from that trip. <laughs> but then I, I never, like, I, I went to vet school, I got married, I had a child, and we, we never went to, to Italy. Mm. But then, uh, actually, after I got divorced, I decided, okay, now I'm going to let my, my dream is going to come true. So I went to Italy for the first time in 2008. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, uh, it was everything that I had imagined. So I, I decided to, I went back uh, almost every year after mm -hmm. that on my summer holidays. Yeah. I was always a little bit sad at the airport when I had to go back, even if I'd stayed for like five weeks or six weeks. One time I stayed for six weeks mm. and I, I never wanted to leave. Mm. And it's like part um the food. I really like the the food. Like mm -hmm. it was, of course, even better than the Italian food that I had eaten in Iceland mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then uh, the climate as well, like I, I don't really do well. I, people make fun of me here because I, I really don't like being cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, but you're from Iceland. And I'm like, yes, that's why I don't live there. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah, too cold no, for me. I mean, I have, I have also here in, in England, we have a lot of Scandinavian people. I, I speak to people from Sweden and Norway. They say, ah. Oh, England is so cold. It's so cold. It's a poor, the, the, the houses are so poorly isolated. And, yeah. and at home in Scandinavia, I mean, people wrap up warm. They have mm -hmm. often more lower humidity. I mean, especially in Sweden, this is a more continental country. And yeah, no. um, it's also sort of, they, they are prepared for the cold, but uh, yeah, exactly. it gets cold in England often there's still a lot of houses that have only single glazing yeah it's it's unpleasant it's yeah unpleasant. yeah 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 it gets really cold yeah that's the thing also like for me as well like i find the italian houses are really cold in the winter mm. and iceland we are used to having like 20 degrees like in your house it's always like a pleasant then triple glazing and things yeah like. yeah we have like the houses are really well insulated and we have triple glazing and everything and also uh, an abundance of um, warm water mm. yeah. so it's it's not so expensive to keep the houses warm yeah that's good yeah yeah, yeah. so you you're traveling now once or twice a year for a few weeks to italy from iceland but what made you then do the real move or how did the the, the real move uh, came about yeah so it was um uh, there were some things that happened uh, i guess like i was the the work was really stressful in the hospital like i think a lot of our <laughs> viewers are gonna relate to that like it's really stressful and i think i was on the brink of uh we we had uh, we just opened the clinic like a few months before the 2008 uh, financial crash mm. so it was a really stressful time yeah. like we had like all these uh loans because we built the house from scratch mm. so we had uh, borrowed some money to build the house and uh, so it was really a very stressful time uh, after the the crash 
and um, and working like really long hours and being on call really a lot mm -hmm. and sometimes you were like on call like we started in the beginning when there was only three of us like three vets we had like we did one week uh, each mm. like week one week and then one week and one week for the after hours on call duty mm. and sometimes and we had a big hospital so sometimes you would be like doing like um, emergency cesarean in the middle of the night yeah and then you have to start working at eight o'clock the next it's morning not, like it's not good yeah mm. Mm. So it was, it was really, but um, I mean, it, it got better as we, um, like as time went by mm. and mm. Uh, we had more, we had, uh, we hired more people and stuff, but it was, mm. I was still feeling the, the effects of the stress. And then um, um, I had, a, I was involved in a car accident mm. where I, it was like a, like like a near near death experience let's say it was like when i was when it happened i really thought that i was going to die i like we were uh crossing the country in the middle of the winter going on a ski trip and uh there was like black ice on the road and the car i was in i was a passenger in the passenger seat behind the driver and the car um went over onto the other side of the road and there was a huge container truck coming right at us like with the lights and he started like honking the horn it's like in a in a movie or something yeah and so i could hear like the horns and the like looking right into the lights and i thought like oh my god this is my last day on earth like we mm -hmm. are never going to survive because we were in like a small suv like really tiny and this was a huge truck mm -hmm. And then like all of a sudden, like seconds, we we went over to the other side of the road and f the car flipped over off the road and we landed like in a patch of snow instead of all the, there was like rocks everywhere. And we were just so lucky to um, survive without any major damage. Yeah, nevertheless. Yeah, but it was, it really had a, a big effect on me. And then three months after that, uh, my mother had to have, um, um, coronary bypass surgery mm -hmm. and her, uh, in in the space of two months my mother and her sister and her brother all had um, like quadruple bypass surgery mm -hmm. and then I just uh, then I realized that all my, my mother and all her siblings um, have a coronary uh, heart disease mm -hmm. so I was like okay so I survived the car crash <laughs> and then and then this <laughs> Mm -hmm. and uh and i've had hypertension also i was diagnosed in my 20s mm -hmm. with hypertension so mm -hmm. i thought hmm, maybe i didn't win the genetic lottery <laughs> no. mm -hmm. so like and the, it all these things that all happened in the space of like a few months and i thought this is like um it was like a wake-up call like what are you going to do with your life like are you just gonna keep doing this Mm. that you're doing and just uh, like put all the dreams on hold until you retire and then I thought well maybe I'm not one of those people who's going to retire you never know what's going to happen mm. so I decided to just uh, 
So you oh, packed your stuff and you, you, did you know right away where you wanted to go in Italy or? No, and I wasn't even like, Italy was like the dream country. But then I thought like, well, I also knew because I'd been going there for many years that Italy has its problems. Like it's not mm. all sunshine and roses. Mm. So um, I knew that it would be almost impossible to find a job there as a vet because there is such a surplus of vets. And also, I still didn't speak uh, Italian really. Like I just, I, I, I'd taken some classes and I could like put together like a simple sentence and, and like order in a restaurant or something. But I wasn't fluent enough to do any clinical work. Mm. So um, it would have been really difficult to find a job. So that was, and I thought, as a as a vet, like I could go to the UK or Netherlands or something, and I could work uh, as a vet um, mm -hmm. and get a, a nice job. So I thought maybe I should try that. <laughs> but I decided, okay, I'm gonna take uh, six months off. And and I thought also, like I don't know, I still have family and friends in Iceland. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I just go away for like a few months and just relax and do like a little sabbatical, then I'll feel differently when I come back. Mm -hmm. So I decided to get a camper van. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I got a camper van in Germany and I decided, okay, I'm going to drive around Europe for six months and uh, visit some other countries. And I actually visited uh, a lot of colleagues um, all over Europe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was really, really great experience because I was visiting all the colleagues. So I got like the inside scoop on what it's like to be a vet in this country. So I was asking everywhere I went, like, what's it like to live here? Like, what's it like to live in, uh, in the UK, in Scotland or, or in Spain or anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I drove around also. And I, um, I was just by myself with my dog. And uh, that was one of the criteria. Also, I was thinking like in my head, like, what's it like to be a dog, a dog owner here in this country? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was really, uh, really nice experience. And, um, but it was really interesting when I was driving around there, were, I found that everyone complained about the same things everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like when I asked about like, what's the positives and the negatives and the negatives were always the same. We pay too much taxes. And our politicians are corrupt. <laughs> okay. okay. And I was like, okay. Like, and it's so funny because like, if you talk about corruption in politics, like, and you compare like Denmark and Iceland mm. or like Denmark and Italy, like there's no comparison. Like it's uh, like a, a whole other level here in Italy, mm. but mm. It, everything is relative. Like when you have really high standards, mm. um, like people can, I think, almost never live up to the standard. So mm. just if the, if the standard is raised, people are still not happy because not, nobody's perfect. Yeah. So, so I thought, well, it's if you're going to have to pay too much taxes and have corrupt politicians, it's better to do it if you have good food and good wine and nice climate. <laughs> At least that, yes. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, I have to say, I, I sympathize or I, I completely agree with you. Also for me, I always think Italy is the gold standard when it comes to quality of life, 
sort of yeah, I, my my favorite skiing area is Alto Adige. I mm -hmm. love to go to the Toscana uh, to, to Tuscany. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, sitting outside on a piazza in the evening, sort of with all the food and 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 the the street life around you. There are hardly any other place in the world which is just that great yeah, as, yeah. as Italy. So I exactly. can fully sympathize but that is uh, if i look at it as a tourist mm -hmm. and yeah. living it's not the same different exactly mm. exactly yeah mm. and i knew that also and that's why i didn't just drive right away to italy mm. because i knew i had been to italy so many times and i had made uh, some italian friends and i i i had like i, I understood that it's not the same to be there as a tourist and or mm. to live here so I was a little bit hesitant in the beginning, but then in the end, I decided, okay, this is, I want to try Italy and, and just see what it's like. So, and then rather than working somewhere as a veterinarian in Italy, you decided you have your own, what shall I say, uh, you decided on your own way to work as a veterinarian uh, living abroad and yeah. uh, so this is also very sort of special which i found is amazing because uh, you are a behaviorist or you mm -hmm. uh, provide uh, behaviorist services mm -hmm. um, but completely online now and that yeah. all over the world as far as i understand yeah 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 yeah, so I, w I had already started doing, like I studied also behavior in, uh, I went to the, the UK and I studied at the uh, University of Southampton. Mm -hmm. They had a really good uh, behavior program there. Mm -hmm. I completed and then I had started a little bit in the clinic and I was, I was, I was thinking sometimes like I'm, sometimes I would go to people's houses or they would come to the clinic. But like when you bring the dog to the clinic for behavior consultation, like I wasn't really doing anything or not so much with the dogs. Mm. Like the dog is just lying there and I'm talking to the, to the owner mm. the whole time. And I, and I started thinking like, you can easily do this online. Like you can just talk to people online instead of in person. It doesn't make a huge difference. Possib possibly actually better because the dog is then or the cat is then in its natural environment at home. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's not under the sort of in the stress of, having been driven to the vet surgery mm -hmm. and also uh, being in the veterinary surgery. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even when I went to people's houses, then I could see how the the pet was behaving in the circumstances. That's mm -hmm. my, 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 my deaf dog <laughs> barking at the other one, trying to get him to play. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so there's... Um, the stress of bringing them to the clinic, but also like, yeah, I was going to people's houses and I would see them at home, but then we would just sit at the table and talk mm. because that's the, the main thing of what I do. Like I'm, I'm training the, the owners, mm. Mm. that's my job. So what I do now, people send me a video and pictures of the behavior of the, the animals. And usually it's enough, just a few minutes. I, I instruct them to, uh, record videos no more than two minutes usually mm. and that's enough to see and then they describe the problem and that's enough to understand 
and uh, and then I do like an interview with them to understand yeah. like to make a diagnosis mm. and then the treatment um, a lot of the stuff that I go through with uh, the owners is it's like the basics are more or less always the same like if like for example if a, if a, a dog has anxiety you have to explain like um, uh, sometimes a little bit about how the brain works um, the automatic nervous system and things like that so i have also some like pre-recorded videos that people can watch and mm -hmm. then when we do the interview they can record like we do the interview on zoom and they can record it and then they can go back because i realized also when i was doing follow-up with the people that a lot of times they forgot some of the things that i had told them because the interview was so long mm. that they forget like details and i would write like a really long um uh, like five or six page uh like um um instructions instructions for them mm -hmm. and uh, and people just got overwhelmed because it was too much information at once and mm -hmm. they forgot the details of what i was telling them and they weren't sure how to implement mm -hmm. so i i um and now i feel like i'm getting better results because people like i keep the uh, the interview no more than one hour mm -hmm. because I, I find that people just can't it's just too difficult to go on for more mm -hmm. than that mm -hmm. And it, I prefer to do like minimum of three sessions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then I give them also like they can watch the recording again so they can uh, like remind themselves of what I said. I just give them like a short, um, short instructions with really. Um, and then we, I follow up and give them like I don't give them all the instructions like mm -hmm. at once. I give them pieces. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that they are building on what they did before. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. Uh, I feel like it's it's working better than before, actually. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm now I can work with. Uh, I can live anywhere. So I decided also that this is really good because in just in case I ever get tired of living in Italy, mm -hmm. I can easily just pack up my laptop and and move. Yeah. Go elsewhere. This is, I mean, you, 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 you are far ahead of your time, actually. I mean, we, we are all now, because of COVID, waking yeah. up to that, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I just earlier today sort of received a questionnaire from vet professionals, uh, Sarah Caney, uh, one of our mm -hmm. foremost feline specialists here in the mm -hmm. UK. And they are um, uh, making a survey in how far um uh, what's the advantages what's the disadvantages of uh, uh, video consults and mm -hmm. i mean there are certain disadvantages i mean i can't palpate during a video yeah, consultation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. i can't uh, auscultation is for example somewhat difficult the mm -hmm. examination of the oral cavity is somewhat difficult i find mm -hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, yes, uh, it probably has its place and uh, it, it is here to stay. And I think, I mean, in, in, in that respect, you, you, you are one of the people who were leading the way with that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess how, you could say that. Yeah. How has COVID affected your personal business? Are you busier or less busy? Um, I would say I'm, I'm busier than I, it's like, yeah. People are now like everyone is uh, has been forced to learn about internet and and learn how to use uh, video conferencing and stuff like that. So now I find like when I do um, and I also do sometimes I do like on my um, I I do offer sometimes like free um, 
events like um, lectures and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, for people to to find me and and discover that it's actually possible to do this online mm-hmm. and uh, and also when I have clients uh, usually now I don't have to explain so much like I, I remember like I started five years ago and then I would have to send everyone like before the consultation I would have to send them like an instructional video on like how to open zoom like how to click on the link and how to mm-hmm. do all that but now that i just send them the link and everyone knows what to do like they have a, a camera and they have a microphone and they are all ready yeah, to go yeah. and uh, you were you said you were traveling with your dog through europe yeah. i did i did the same thing earlier this year i was uh, working for a couple of months in sweden then our dog was sort of is originally from the uk and then we went through germany and down to italy to apulia mm-hmm. and admittedly i have to say the further south we went the more difficult it became with the dog i don't know if you observed it the, the, the same thing but i mean I, I can remember sort of one one morning walk we we did with the dog uh, and uh, the dog was sort of uh, sort of assaulted during one walk three times by by dogs in Italy. I found it yeah. of, uh, dogs further south. I don't know. They don't seem so well socialized with other mm-hmm. dogs. They are more mm-hmm. territorial. We found it really stressful. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas, I mean, I I go running with my dog in uh, in the UK. The dog is off the lead. The dog is mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, she has a very good recall. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 but then she virtually never gets into trouble with other dogs. Whereas mm-hmm. down in Italy, really had to watch out. Uh, it, it was it was really stressful and also a lot of dogs not friendly dogs sort of mm-hmm. uh, without any control without mm-hmm. anybody around and yeah. it was scary yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. at times yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely there is definitely a different kind of culture here with the dogs uh, especially in rural areas mm-hmm. it's very common here that people just let their dogs roam around like half the stray dogs that you see in italy they aren't stray at all they they they're just roaming around but they have a home uh, that they go to like people just open the door in the morning and then in the yeah. evening the dogs go back home like but they're just running around wild mm. uh, yeah so yeah absolutely but i find also italy to be very um well i haven't been so much to the south of italy like further south and i haven't been mm. much further south in rome like only for like um well, I did take my dogs on holiday in Amalfi, mm-hmm. two dogs now, and uh, we went on holiday in, Ma- in Amalfi mm-hmm. um, for a week. And that was really nice. Like stayed, I, I rented a house, a little house on Airbnb that had like a garden. The owner was very accommodating mm-hmm. and, uh, and they helped us. They were like, oh, you want to, you can leave the, oh, I'm going to like fix this hole in the, in the fence on the, on the, in the garden so that the dogs are not going to run away it's like they were really really mm-hmm. nice and it was it's so easy to take them with you everywhere here like we could yeah. go for like you can take them on the boat and you can take them uh, in restaurants and and go everywhere so yeah, like yeah. i've even like, <laughs> one time I, I took my dog to the movies mm-hmm. 
Oh right. Okay. <laughs> Your dad's so, dog. So now my 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 first my uh, older dog. She's uh, Havanese, so she's very small. Mm -hmm. She's even small for a Havanese, so she's less than four kilos. She's like three and a half kilos. Mm -hmm. So I I um, I used to like take her with me everywhere. She's really small and very quiet. Like I, she's very well trained, or she's well behaved. Let's say she's not like trained like a circus dog but she's well behaved mm -hmm. so it's not uh difficult at all to take her anywhere she just lies down and is very calm, calm and quiet mm -hmm. so one time i was going to with a with a friend of mine and she said why don't you just bring the dog we were going to the movies and it's like it was in a small like in a town in umbria mm -hmm. and they have this like expat uh movies every friday they have a movies in original language which is not very common here in italy because uh, they dub everything mm. but they have like movies in english on friday night so we went and she said like why don't we just take the dog like we can just ask so we went inside and and we asked like can we take this dog inside then the guy in the reception he was like yeah sure like if she stays quiet it's fine like but if she if she barks you have to like take her outside yeah, yeah. but then we just went inside and the dog sat down and then uh, it was like a, there was like a balcony and with a like a fence uh, or like what's it called? Mm -hmm. a fence, mm -hmm. like yeah. A, yeah, yeah, in front of the seats on the balcony. Yeah. And um, um, so I was sitting there with a dog. First she was on the floor and then she sat on my lap. And then <laughs> in, during the break there was a break. Mm -hmm. uh, an older uh, gentleman came up to me and said. I'm a little bit worried about your dog because I don't think she can see the movie from where she's sitting. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that was really scary. sweet. And I was like, ah, yes. Oh, thank you. I, I'm not sure that she's even like, I don't think she's watching the movie. She just came to sit on my lap. <laughs> oh, that's so good. See, Thank you so much for giving us a little insight in, in your somewhat unusual way of life. And I think a lot of our viewers might find that quite inspirational, sort of. And it just shows uh, that uh, it's not just the own country or uh, uh, not just the traditional forms of employment that that we have as a veterinary surgeon to to aim for or as a as a potential horizon and and it's always worse sort of if you are not happy i think in your in your current position then maybe think about just trying something different and i mean you 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 are living proof that that this can work out very very well so yeah. um uh if any of our viewers would like to comment on this vet chat or would like to, uh, to uh, give us any suggestions for future vet chats you can communicate with us via email on vetchat at ficava.org and obviously also on our social media presence thank you very much Sip, again for being with us and next thank week i will have another interesting guests. I hope I see you then again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.